Hello and welcome to the Crystal Core Radio Podcast. Brian and Chris here for Work the Game, bringing you uh, the latest breakdown of news, information, opinion, and more. Uh, we're going to be talking, especially at the start of the show, about WoW Dragonflight, uh, the next expansion set to launch November 28th uh, for World of Warcraft. And I think this is going to be an interesting topic because, like as Chris says, as many people have seen overall with the ebb and flow of World of Warcraft, this is going to show how big of an impact last summer had on Blizzard. This will show what kind of future might be you know, set for uh, you know, 11.0, as we talked about, Bellular's kind of uncovering of certain things that he wants to see with the, within that, with the next maybe 10 years of this uh, this franchise. But are we also seeing a new culture that WoW defined in terms of like rush to cap and consume the end game content? But now are we also seeing that same culture evolve into like, okay, you kind of you kind of dip in for a couple of months and you kind of dip out. But all in all, like Chris, release date, November 28th. Let's start with that. Uh, is this is this going to be a good time for you? Is this uh, is this the right time to launch the the expansion? It feels uh, like uh, outside of Ragnarok, which is launching earlier, this is a good time uh, as any as people probably are going to be finishing that game and maybe looking for something else to kind of jump into for the holidays. What do you think? So back when we asked for the spreadsheet, based on all the news and based on the interviews, I was asked when I thought the launch would be and when I thought the launch should be. Um, I thought the launch would be November 28th. So I got this one spot on. Um, I, th I said somewhere in the ballpark of November 28th. So I was not confident enough to like call this one out, but I was I was dead on. Um, and uh, and that's just because I, I didn't think it was going to slide closer to Christmas. And I, I think they wanted it as late as possible, not at Christmas. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it might even slide into early December, but Ooh, we, yeah. we were dead on. I thought it should launch in March because they haven't had a great track record with really fully fleshing out any systems. And like the word systems has a bad taste in people's mouth in WoW because systems have been managed um, in ways that people don't enjoy. But like these games are made up of systems. Final Fantasy has a crafting system. They have a gear system right mm -hmm. your savage is a system like these are all things that like they have a design philosophy they have content attached to them they have balance attached to them they are systems and they interact with each other gear and the combat rotations and the content itself interact with each other to form a combat like mega system as a whole and that's a big defining part of the game and so you know even when they say like well dragonflight is getting rid of a lot of the borrowed power and stuff yeah but it's still going to have combat it's still going to have class balance it's still going to have gear and so like i would love to see them spend more time but i just assume they're out of time before they've got to put something up for the the end of the quarter so i assume i assume this is financially driven i assume this is somebody upstairs and they said qa will you be ready and they're like well you could use a lot more time and they're like very cool you'll be ready okay All right. uh so like it will launch on November 28th. They have great launches. The servers will be ready. The content will be great. Um, as we get out of that content, as we get clear of that content, for some people that's six minutes, for some people that's that takes several weeks. Um, as people kind of sprint through all that content uh, and they start to realize just how long we have until 10.1, that's when we'll find out if it needed more time in the oven. Um, but we're all hungry right now. So it's going to be great day one. It mm -hmm. will be. Um, what is exciting about this is now we have a timeline for when pre-patch starts. So pre-patch is an event that talking to people who hang out here, we're primarily Final Fantasy 14 players. Many of us also play other MMOs. But if you're not familiar with WoW, I'll put all this in Final Fantasy terms because that's something that the work to game community can all share. So um, first of all, once they've announced it, which would happen at kind of like a fan fest type event, once they've announced it, something like this, they've made a big reveal of it. They, because of PTR and because of the bleak, the way leaks handle, it all just kind of gets pushed out. Yeah. Um, the announcement already basically comes with a road to 80 type experience. So we've now kicked on as of, I believe yesterday, they've kicked on 50% additional experience up to, I believe level Maybe it's just across the board. But what would happen is if when your character got to Shadowlands, the current expansion, there is an MSQ, mm -hmm. just like 14. Yeah. And it starts with like a 30-minute like Praetorium type experience where your character's like slow walking as they fight for their soul. Like it's like a whole thing. And that's wonderful your first time. And it's like the second time, wow, this really was cool. And your third time, you're like, yeah, this is interesting. I'm taking note of anything I didn't catch that 
why do I have to do this on every class? And so now imagine that you had to take every single one of your job stones in 14 through a Praetorium. By the time you got to number 10, you might be done. It's about a half hour long. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's a whole thing. <laughs> so a lot of people are like, oh God. And so if you didn't do it before now, you don't really want to do it now. Mm -hmm. So um, what you might do instead is you might just start prepping any of your classes that are, are kind of to the Shadowbringers equivalent uh, with this like road to 80 kicked in. So you've got this, it's 50%, but it's already a fast leveling experience. Um, then when we go into pre-patch, usually let's say four or five weeks out from launch. So let's look at like, the end of October-ish. Yeah, which um, is interesting as there's lots of things happening around the end of October. Oh, Blizzard. <laughs> oh, sneaky devils. Anyway, go so, ahead. end of October. Probably not the 18th. Probably not the same day that New World and Final Fantasy picked. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to guess I, I was, a week after that. Maybe, let's put it, what if they did go to the, the 18th? 25th. What if they did that just like said, F it. Like, the F only it. reason it's not the 18th is because it's too long to spend in pre-batch. Okay. Um, it's not because they wouldn't want it on the 18th. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's kick it. It's it, it's usually not two months long. So 18th to 18th is too or eight, it, it's let's say let's say it's the 25th. Okay. Um, just so that just to get that conspiracy out of the way, but maybe. <laughs> uh, so when we go into pre-patch, I haven't seen a confirmed date. Maybe there is one. Um, so if it's on the 25th, what happens at pre-patch is take a Final Fantasy seasonal event and blow it up to the size of the events that that wrapped up 1.0 okay mm -hmm. this sets the trend they do the 1.0 calamity event for every expansion it is a huge seasonal event with a story um they have had like the alliance and horde experiences be drastically different before uh and you get a mount tied to it it's the only way to ever get that mount uh for pushing through this it's really fun that will also begin allowing them to trickle in onto the live servers um, changes to the, some of the systems and stuff like that. So imagine if you could do the first 10 levels of the new job that got added, or if you could start messing with, um, right. Something, if there was going to be a change to decent, that would go ahead and go live. Mm. Uh, and so it's, it's when they start kind of pushing things over. So the PTR begins bleeding into the live environment. Um, and their servers don't actually go offline for launch day. You're just online. And then the new zone opens. And so like, it's a different experience instead of this Endwalker experience, where we're all excitedly looking at a title screen only to be told we can't log in. What they've done is they've allowed us to log in and now we're all in. And let's say to go to 7.0, it's going to be in Corvos mm -hmm. and we're going to leave from Thavnir. Well, instead, everybody's just in 27 instances of Thavnir waiting at where there's going to be this this guy this ferryman that we're all going to talk to for the opening quest mm -hmm. and that's what's going to carry us over so this pre-patch is this massive ramp up to that um and so you get early access to any like character creation changes things like that so i don't know that pre-patch details have been pushed out for what we're getting with dragonflight but it is kind of this get in there and just get your feet wet it's a mm -hmm. great time to return it's an incredibly fun time to be a part of the pre-patch event and the initial run through the levels are like my favorite condensed window in all of World of Warcraft. Even if you had a great expansion experience, pre-patch to like when you finish your first lap of the new expansion's content is just the densest sprint. It's that Endwalker beginning of Shadowbringers moment. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what we're going into. So this is the kind of road to 80, road to 90 equivalent um, to get you into that. And then once pre-patch launches... The race is on. Uh, and so for anybody that does kind of spend three, four, five months in WoW every two years, this is when all those people come back. Um, the same group of people exist for 14. Some yeah, yeah. Literally, some are literally the same people. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I play single player games and I play the beginning. I play the end and beginning of a Final Fantasy expansion, the end and the beginning of a, of a WoW expansion. And, and I dip out. Um, it's and really by dipping out that quickly, off. it's a standard, it's not that yeah. of a standard purchase price. It's really good that they're also on off years and they've been able to maintain that. Otherwise it would just like, it would be, it'd be pandemonium. Like it would just oh, yeah. be like, okay, like, oh, this is uh, like not fun. This is stressful in that regards. Like it's, it's interesting because like new world just literally today is opening up 50% boost to experience. Uh, for your characters, for like anybody who's new and returning all the way up till like Brimstone. So while 
some people are labeling brimstone as an expansion like it is you know a part of the update it is a part of the, I mean, the normal update process so i'm wondering to see like how like as we see like hey yeah they're they're looking at these different games if they end up going an expansion model and we do have kind of a pre-patch in that one that would be fascinating to see somebody else do that because whenever you've described the pre-patch of wow i was like man how cool would it be to be able to get access to the new jobs uh yeah maybe the level cap doesn't go up. up yeah finish anything up but but imagine that like imagine you know 14 pre-patch where it's like okay cool well your, your job started 70 you can do the new jobs they're they're going to cap out at 80 and then you can go and play in all the current content and and, and and feel it out and then all of a sudden now it's like okay cool and walker started and so you can start day and date not kind of like 10 levels behind one of the reasons that WoW can't leverage legacy content like the synced system of Final Fantasy is that their combat, their jobs change quite a bit. So they're moving to this, they're moving back to this talent tree system. Mm -hmm. And so for some jobs, that's going to kind of feel like a summoner rework. Um, and so for those jobs, they would get access to this during pre-patch. So imagine if you got, you don't get access to the new abilities, the Endwalker abilities, but if at the end of Shadowbringers, you got to play with the new summoner up to Shadowbringers cap, that would be really neat. Mm -hmm. um, imagine if going into Endwalker, they also doubled the uh, tribal rep that you got from doing your Pixies. So now you could do your Pixies in one week instead of two. And so you're like, okay, during this last four weeks or whatever, I'm going to go finish Dwarves and Pixies because I never did those. Um, and so it kind of give this window where like it would breathe all these people into Il Meg. It would breathe like, so it just pushes people out into the world. It just pushes people back in so like i think there's a lot of room for it in 14 i think when they talk about endwalker they're like everybody should do omega it's like um these moogle events mm -hmm. uh except they would you know maybe give like i don't know double echo to things or um put i, I don't know you could put really fun stuff behind it maybe yeah. you go put a, a unique omega skin mount behind doing omega and people are like wow that's really great because I've been trying to do Omega the story and there's never people doing the Omega step I need. And to get them out, you have to do like each fight five times or something or whatever. And yeah. so then you could, you could push everybody into Omega before Endwalker because Omega was something that Yoshi P said, you should do Omega before Endwalker. I didn't, but you should. Uh, I now in hindsight, I'm like, man, I really should have. Uh, <laughs> only he <had laughs> told me. If only uh, I would have listened. <laughs> if only I would have listened. Yeah. Uh, and so mm -hmm. like, it, I, I do think there's room in 14 to consider something like this. Yeah. It would be different, um, but it'd be a neat chance for Yoshi P to take the things he says in these big, long live letters and presentations and put them into action in the game and say, we're encouraging the uh, Dark Knight quest line. And so Dark Knight's going to get a double road to 90 for anybody that doesn't have a level Dark Knight. And then that would be like, oh, I've always wanted to level Dark Knight. It's getting double XP right now. Yeah, I'll definitely and go do the that. And then the, the wave of Dark Knights just wave run. of Dark Knights. It'd be crazy. It's Dark Knight. <laughs> Batman. Uh, now, Jedi Burner says, uh, next year will be 7.0, yes? Or would that actually be 2024? What do you think? So, I, I'd like to see it be the beginning of 2024. Do you think it's um, going to make that? Things get really tight to get it into 2023, considering yeah. Yoshi P said he didn't like having a savage race over Christmas and New Year's. Well, especially a release in that regards. And meaning that, like, if you think of uh, two point, uh, sorry, 6.3 January, I don't I don't think we see 6.3 in, in December. Like, that just seems, uh, you just, that seems like a I lot think, of stress. Like, I think 6.3 is January 10th. Yeah. January 10th for 6.3. That's my guess. Then you add four-ish months, you know, so January, February, March, April, May, 6.4, and then yes. June, July, August, September, 6.5. So I think you're looking at early 2024 because you usually go six months at a minimum. From we also have the summer extra week. So I think 6.5 could slide as far as first week of October. And that's assuming that they hit the four months and I don't think they have been hitting four months even. I think it's like four months in a week, four months in, you know, uh, you know, four months plus. It's been a loose four months. It's a loosey goosey four months, guys. They're not counting four weeks. They're counting the four point three weeks that are actually in a month. So they're they're taking the extra those extra couple days where they get them. Mm -hmm. Um. So I think we could see six five slide as late as the first week of October. Um. If that happens, that pushes six five five. That pushes it out into November. Mm -hmm. Um. It, it likely won't go that far, but if it's in November, then there's no way. There's not time. Um. So it kicks it out. So we'll see. 
Um, remember that 6.5 is also historically a long patch mm -hmm. because 6.55 has its own MSQ, its own. And so. Right. Meaning um, that it's like usually we'll it's three months from six. And so maybe that's now four months. And so you end up looking at it at an eight month cycle. So you could easily push 7.0 to summer 2024. Um, I think that's what he wants. Like when we look at the historical launching of, uh, you know, expansions outside of Endwalker, having in that end of spring, early summer launch, I think it ends up being just better received more. It's more, I think it's more enjoyable for everybody. Cause then you don't have a lot of like family conflicts. And then you can tend to have like maybe a little bit more relaxed summer or fat boy summer, maybe, uh, you know, where you're like, all right, I'm going to kick back and play some games and, and avoid the sun for a little bit, especially here in Texas. I always like when, uh, with July and August to have games to play. Cause it's, that's usually our inside time, uh, more than anything else. Like in the winter here in Texas, it's like, yeah, we'll go for a walk. We'll go be outside. We'll go to the park. It's, it's not cold today. To put in perspective, guys, uh, it is <laughs> October 5th when we are filming this. And yeah. when I went for a run last night, uh, it was getting dark and it was 81 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm -hmm. uh, Beautiful. Well, 80, 81. I took the kids on a spooky Pokemon walk last night. That's and it 20, was 27 in Celsius, you, you, you guys. So that's uh, so it was plenty warm. Um, October is the best month to be in Texas by far. Oh yeah. It's the best month. Seventies and eighties. And then we get one or two chill days and people, you get that smell of like people first kicking on their fireplaces. That's probably causing cancer and you get to breathe <laughs> that in and then, uh, and then it warms right back up. So like it's, it's great. All right. Uh, no, next question. And then we'll jump into our, we'll take our break and do our uh, second topic. Uh, Sir rule says, uh, do you think that they're going to make Omega requirement? Uh, T nine D nine and Walker. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, like they did with Crystal Tower and uh, and Shadowbringers. So we're talking about WoW, WoW is this post. Mm -hmm. So in the perspective of WoW, no raid series is required. No story is required other than just to do the current expansion for the current expansion. Um, everything else, you're always missing part of it. And in 14, you kind of end up with that same thing. They made Crystal Tower a requirement later. Um, they've now gone back and added the trust system to all four man MSQ dungeons effectively is what we will come out of this expansion with. Um, wow was asked, they put a trust style system in their new player starting zone. And they were asked by Taliesin, uh, who is a final fantasy 14 player on the, on the side as well. Uh, he's, he's enjoyed that. And so he was aware of the trust system. So he said, do you think we could see that in world of Warcraft? And, uh, Ian said like, that's impossible. Um, that's, that's not possible, which we've heard Yoshi P say that about things mm -hmm. that like the wow side has, because you couldn't put that in a game, but they, but it's working. Uh, they have it. So, um, obviously there's something in their code that makes that much harder to implement. So the, um, so, the, so to answer this question, I think because 14 is so narrative based, you could never make old raids required um, at this point without being willing to go back and start pushing trust into the normal modes. Uh, because he said in 7.0, they want to look into getting Crystal Tower supported by the raids. They want to look into MSQ trials being supported by the raids. Uh, or I mean, by trust. Um, so if raids, if any raids, any raids, if they go back and make a true normal mode of coils, which I think if you're going to pick any raid series to make required, it should be coils. They should make a story mode of coils and it should be trust enabled. Um, maybe even just trust built since it's new anyway. Uh, and so like, I think that would be absolutely wonderful to offer those. I still wouldn't make them truly mandatory. I would just make them encouraged like class quests and role quests where like odds are everybody does one. Um, actually you do have to do a role quest in Shadowbringers, but like in general, um, after your class quests get to the point that they stop dropping skills, it gets really easy to maintain. Like you don't ever have to do your role quest in Endwalker, do you? No. No. Unless you want to die, unless you want to die your uh, your gear at ninety, right? And so you could go tie something like that behind it. So like I would, um, I don't know that should ever be mandatory, only because this game already is like four to six hundred hours long for a new player experience. Yeah, 
that's so, that's the challenge like it makes sense for crystal tower because of how much narrative then came later and it also is in arr where that is happening but all of a sudden imagine like oh now you're in shadow bring us uh, uh you know stormblood and oh you want to you know your friends just got you know blipped <laughs> like what's going on okay go do omega like <laughs> oh it, it'd be a hard sell it'd be a hard sell um I'm glad they did it with Crystal Tower, but I wouldn't actually want them to do it with any other other raid series. Is the new quest line for um, the Omicrons, is the new quest line in Endwalker, does that require you've done Omega? I don't I think know. it's just additional dialogue options. I don't yeah, think you, you have just to get it. Do I, don't, I don't ever know, because right. while I'm a story skipper, um, I think people assume that means I bought boosts, but my character existed before boosts were even a thing in the store. So I've done everything in game. I just did it with the escape key. I just did it faster than you. Uh, it's very <laughs> fast with the escape key. Yeah. Hildebrand's like an hour. And you just do, 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 do. Uh, so I, I've done all that. Um, so like my character, so people are like, you know, Chris is a story skipper. Your character is missing all sorts of dialogue options. No, it's not. My character's done every single side quest in ARR, Heavensward, Stormblood. I just didn't read any of it. Yeah. So <laughs> like, I have really clean maps. Uh, so um, I just wondered if that was was the case. Yeah, it's it's possible in that regards. Like I, I liked all it the extra dialogue bad. stuff that had, that that opened up. And I don't think that uh, I don't I don't see that happening. So that's a great qu uh, question, uh, Sir Rule. Thank you so much for that. All right, guys. Now we're jumping into uh, section two of the show itself. We're talking about Guild Wars 2, just releasing their fall and winter uh, roadmap. Uh, lots of content. Uh, we were joking kind of in the mid-pre-show as we transitioned in, in that Chris has already covered this, but he decided that he wasn't going to post anything about it. Uh, so he's already well, well, the expert. I haven't seen this. I just saw that Guild Wars 2 posted a new roadmap, and I thought it'd be really great to kind of get caught up to speed on everything uh, that is going on with the latest Guild Wars expansion and as they build to more, more changes down the road. So Chris, why don't you take us through it? So I'm going to be talking about this from Final Fantasy terms because I've been seeing in the comments on our YouTube videos lately um, that there are a lot of people that just, you know, kind of taking little breathers from Final Fantasy right now. And a lot of people are trying out Guild Wars or are interested in trying out Guild Wars. So I'm going to put this in uh, in Final Fantasy 14 terms since I think a lot of people in this community are actually going in with more 14 vocabulary than Guild Wars vocabulary. Um, Plus, Guild Wars has a bunch of brilliant creators. So a lot of people that really are super into Guild Wars are already getting this covered. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so the step one, profession updates. Professions are jobs. Uh, and so these are class balance updates being announced in advance. Um, because it is a lateral progression system, one of the things that adds variety to it is going ahead and changing up class balance. And so this is kind of like with Crystalline Conflict and stuff is going to need continued balance changes, even if they hit a perfect moment of equal equal everybody's equal um you still want to keep jacking with that formula because that's where the spice of variety comes from so we'll see that in here uh, i believe twice between now and the end of the year but those need to continually be there um so that people that are at end game have a reason to try out other builds and try out other comps um because that's what makes the different raid content and stuff exciting um now october 14th we're moving to world v world uh restructuring beta number six uh Guild Wars does something unique. We talked about WoW right before this and kind of the PTR and the pre-patch and this life cycle of what content looks like as it pushes into game. Final Fantasy just gets game day and date. Um, Guild Wars does live betas. So what that means is you log into Final Fantasy or whatever your MMO of choice is, even, you know, Guild Wars, you log in and whatever they're trying is just on the live servers. Uh, World v. World is kind of like Frontlines at like Bosja scale it's in it's massive yeah. um and it's literally server against server pvp it's and doesn't it's it like isn't like a point system over a course of a week so you're you jump into it and then you jump out of it and you jump back into it it's like a living breathing age of empires that you just hop around and run in and around as one footman and and it's best experienced in my opinion when you're either with a set group of like strategic like 10 or so um or like with a big mass of 100 people and you're just you're just running around mowing down guards and castles and stuff now um they've had some issues with the way it's balanced and stuff so without getting in the weeds on that they've been working on restructuring that and that's been an ongoing process and so what they do is rather than roll out something like the black mage change with that like lettered patch mm -hmm. where then final fantasy had to walk that back with an apology they haven't had to walk back everything with crystalline conflict sometimes it's been positive but sometimes it's been negative um wow is the same issue but in theory they're testing with ptr but i, I don't know that they've been as responsive 
I, I don't know that the PTR is as much of a testing ground as it used to be. It sometimes feels like they get feedback from the PTR and then it rolls live anyway. Yeah. So what, what <laughs> like, Guild Wars, like, yeah, that's interesting. Here it is. Uh, and so what Guild Wars does is they actually push something like that Black Mage change live on the server for a set number of days. Here it's October 14th through the 21st. And then they pull it off the server and it goes back to the way it was. It reverts. And that gives them a chance for everybody to go leave all their responses on the forums for them to pour over the data, decide what they liked, what they didn't like before they make anything permanent. And so it is this slow iterative process of, does this feel good? Does this feel good? Um, but either way, whether it is perfect or it is a failure, it will only exist on the servers from October 14th to 21st. That encourages a lot of people to go try it, to get a lot of feedback about, man, if this went live as it is, I would never do World v. World again. Or if this went live as it is, I love this. Um, and so that'll that'll kind of, and, and they encourage you into it. They're gonna double rewards, they're gonna double experience, they're gonna just really drive people into that content. Um, it's really cool. Like so, having already participated in one round of cool. that, I was like, that's fun. That's interesting. Cool. And I was like, man, that's risky. You know, it's like, but then it went over without a hitch. And so it was kind of fun for to be able to kind of play with the new professions uh, and experience that as well. So, all right, cool, cool, cool. The way the servers are balanced right now is basically each server has like an ELO, like your server has a rating, um, but then it also tries to pair like servers. But what that means is what ends up happening is if you have like a, a large RP server that doesn't engage a lot in World v. World, but the, but the people on it that do win a lot, like are really organized, then like it screws with the way that's ranked against maybe a more just like generalist server that has like a generalist population that's all trying it a little. Um, and so like, that's why it doesn't work as it is because people have learned how the system works and all the people who are interested in manipulating the server system condensed onto this set of this set, like this primary world v world server. And it just, it just breaks the top rating, the, uh, the top ELO. And so it just, it just splinters the system and it, and it frustrates people who are trying to engage in it at different levels of casual. Um, so November 29th, another, another profession, another job balance. Um, and so they'll, They'll have a preview for this update. They'll have public feedback and, and they're going to continue listening to what people want to see um, with the ever evolving way that the classes works. Now, legendary variants. So legendaries are relics. Legendaries in World of Warcraft are legendaries, um, except <laughs> that in World of Warcraft and uh, Final Fantasy, the two games I'm most familiar with, um, those live within an expansion. Uh, so they are that that nasty phrase of a borrowed power system. They are something you unlock relatively early on in expansion and you power up through the expansion. And if you come in late, there tends to be a catch up mechanic. And then after that expansion, they tend to be cosmetic only. Um, any any great perks or anything on them are either isolated to a particular type of content or they're just removed or their gear score is just so garbage. Like they're just cosmetic. They, they really aren't that helpful after that. Um, people still go back and do them, but just kind of completionists and things like that. Um, in Guild Wars, it's a lateral system. So if you had the equivalent of a old school legendary weapon from uh, maybe from Legion, uh, or if you in WoW, or you have like a Heaven's Word Relic completed, that would still be relevant for the raid that is set to come out. That would still be BIS for the raid that is set to come out. Um, so what that means is what you want from legendaries is there's some quality of life tied to the way their gear their gearing works like it can basically slot its materia or its enchants like it can it can manipulate that um freely and so and then it can be used across any class that uses that weapon uh and so like once you get a sword now all your classes with swords and so like it's it's really handy um so now it's just all about skins so they are gonna have more skin variants coming in um, what this does do though is the legendary system because they are these unique cosmetics and they they are very hard to unlock so they are meant to be for established players so when new players come in they're like yeah i just hit level 80 now i'm gonna get a legendary um veteran players like maybe start with something easier <laughs> like that's just it's just a big process um and there are plenty of people who played for a very long time that have never completed a legendary or have completed just one or two there are also people who completed nine billion of them uh continuing to partner with extra life there you go. 24 hour day. Easy. <laughs> and then there's seasonal events. Shadow of the Mad King coming back uh, for Halloween and Winter's Day coming back for the uh, holiday December through January. Uh, and then Living Seasons. 
So World of Warcraft gets on target three patches uh, for every expansion. Those come sometimes with like additional zones um, and additional story, story uh, main story and side story tied to them. Uh, in Final Fantasy, we get patch content. That patch content comes with dungeons, trials, no new zones, but lots of new quests. Uh, in Guild Wars, those are done as living seasons. Once you buy an expansion, you get living seasons for free. Um, just for being an active player. However, once those living seasons pass us by, they actually go behind a paywall because this is not a subscription-based game. So it's how they get their money. They're not very much. I think on the high end, they're they're like five or ten dollars or something. I think they regularly go on sale for a couple bucks. They're not a big deal, um, but you get a lot of content tied to them. And then they've given them out for free. They've gone back and given out ones. But what these are, living season one, is like getting the ARR patch content, which has historically just it was just removed from game. Imagine if when we moved out of an expansion and wow all the patch content to that game just disappeared if you weren't there for it you can't zone into it and in final fantasy imagine if a new player today played through the 2.0 storyline and then went straight into heaven's word and didn't get to do post arr story that was just locked away and people were like but some stuff's in there is important <laughs> yeah it's gone and and so like it's just been removed from game and so what they've been doing is they've been pulling that out of the archive they've been re-enabling that content from season one um, and they are actually making that part of their free trial. So you can download the base game uh, for Guild Wars for free right now. Um, if you like supporting content creators and you want a content creator to help you on that journey, I encourage you to go check out Rookery um, and and ask her any Final Fantasy questions about Guild Wars because uh, she actively plays both. And then uh, all the ArenaNet partners have links and even even clicking their free trial link does support them. Um, so if you if you take interest and you want to support them, go do that. And if you get that that free trial, that base game, um, what that does do is that will now come with those living seasons. And they've been slowly adding those kind of patch contents back in. Um, so to kind of re re regroup here, we've got lots of profession balances. Uh, World v. World is finally, that's something they said this expansion, they want to really bring back to its kind of heyday. Um, and then we are looking at new weapon skins, new charity event, new seasonal events. And the next chapter of Living Season 1 is... Uh, is coming in oh, yeah. so hopefully that kind of sums that up so how do you feel brian how does that make you feel as like a casual you play guild wars the way i play new world like yeah, yeah. i like it when there's a big event i, I hop in it's and then i wonder why i can't make more time for this game yeah it's it's i i know why i can't and what i need to now kind of figure out because be, being that it's added to steam but it's not cross play that's that that's where i was like oh i got the i got the expansion i was like i'll wait i'll wait and pick it up because it's they're, they're, it's coming to steam and then when Steam was not account linked. So I was like, I'm not going to start over. And I was like, gosh, darn it. Like at the end of the day, that was a big disappointment, but I am, I'm still wanting to sit down and, and play more Guild Wars 2. You're right. Every time you sit down and play this game, I'm always like, man, why don't, why do I not make more time for Guild Wars? Like it is, it is a good experience. It's a fun game. It's an enjoyable world. It's beautiful. Uh, I love the open world. Like there's so many mechanics and systems that whenever I'm playing another MMO, I'm like, man, it'd be great if they did what Guild Wars does. Right? Like, <laughs> and, and that's always kind of leads me back to the problem of Guild Wars. Like it comes down, I think, to marketing. You never really hear much about the game. They're starting to kind of step that up with Twitch drops and, and things like that. All of these things are good things for them to do. So I'm happy to see them starting to step into this world in, a, after 10 years. Um, but I'm excited to see what they're working on with the next expansion. I'm excited to see whatever they're, whatever new MMO they're building as well. Like we speculate, is that a Guild Wars 3 or is that something where... It's going to be a whole new IP. I honestly don't know. Like, uh, uh, we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see. Are they I doing the Dune MMO? Uh, no, there's a Dune MMO. There is there. a Dune MMO, but I don't think it's done by them. Um, but Dune MMOs, I think going to still be a while away. We also got like, there's a lot Let's of MMOs there. It's actually really exciting to see more MMOs starting to kind of percolate and kind of like, you know, get some excitement and hype. We just covered the ashes of creation event, uh, throwing a Liberty set to come out probably, uh, you know, early next year, maybe, <laughs> Well, they come in waves. They come in waves, yeah, for sure. Some don't make it. Some have a lot of promise, and um, they really come flying in like they're in a big armored suit that can fly, and then it turns out they can't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah. So um, this is this is exciting. I mean, like a roadmap. I think is is kind of helps to kind of like plan out like hey oh i want to be back for this or i want to experience that and i've got several level capped characters in guild wars um but it's like one of the things that there's just a lot of that 
I could sit down and, and, and play and do. And it always comes down to, I, I need to find something comfortable on the controller. Otherwise, as soon as, you know, as soon as I get kind of that dexterity fatigue of sitting at the desk, uh, I just, I just, I lose interest like pretty quickly. And it's like, okay. Chat okay. says the Dune is from Funcom. Yeah. Thank you very much, chat. I was like, I know it's not them, but it's, <laughs> um, and who knows? We haven't seen much about that, that MMO. And we'll have to wait and see how that kind of plays out in the long run. So I'm happy to see more MMOs coming, uh, coming to fruition. So, um, yeah, I don't really have any other thoughts, especially about it. Cause like, namely I'm, I'm excited to see, uh, you know, these, these things being brought in. I love how they handle their beta testing. And uh, honestly, I just want to sit down and, and try to carve out some time, maybe this winter, to actually go play through the uh, End of Dragons expansion uh, and get uh, get caught up there. I'm like, I've got progress in every aspect of this game, but I've never really felt like I finished any one one aspect of Guild Wars. It's the perfect way to start Guild Wars, in my opinion. And so now, just pick one and finish it, and see what finishing that one thing feels like. And then based on that, you'll know, did you finish the right one or should you go finish something else? <laughs> um, I'm working on uh, probably the biggest mount grind in the game. Um, and it's a really special mount that kind of combines some of the, their mounts work really uniquely. So I'm working on that. Yeah. That takes several days on an organized person or several months on a disorganized person. And I, I only get to play it um, a couple days every couple weeks uh, for the purpose of that. Cause I do, I only work on that on stream mm -hmm. um, and and I'm doing each step without a guide. And so doing it without a guide makes steps that should take 40 minutes, take six hours. Mm -hmm. um, so it's good. All right. Well, guys, uh, that's going to take uh, that conversation. And next we we decide, choose your adventure. Do we talk about New World or do we want to jump into Final Fantasy XIV's Relic conversation? Depends on how much time you have. I want to end on fourteen. So let's, end on, um, let's, let's go to Relic then because that will be a good way to finish off the show and then we can save new world for uh for friday if right. we decide to do a live show in the morning because we do have a, do live. we do have that that would make friday could be a long day friday i'm planning on going live day. at 7 30 i'll hand off to brian ideally at four if i can make it that long mm -hmm. he'll do his new world community night yep. um on on the twitch and then he'll hand back off to me when it's time for him to go get some dinner and stretch his legs and then uh we will be together again for the live letter at 11 um on twitch and then because we're both live uh since i'll already be live on twitch he'll go ahead and put his perspective on youtube his is the more polished stream setup if you're wondering uh and then uh and then, and then um we'll hang out together for that and then we'll film the summary which will of course uh kind of our thoughts and stuff will go live here on work to games youtube this is uh, i had a to-do list because <laughs> paul was asking about uh first descendant and yes actually i've been following that and one of the things i was like i need to do is actually apply for the content creator program so that's what i did during the break i was like oh it's been on my to-do list so uh that the beta for that starts on october the 20th and uh it's a looter shooter like generally speaking i'm kind of just always now hesitant about any looter shooter because it's not going to be about how it launches it's going to be how do they make more content for it down the road? What's what, what is the game going to be over the long run? How's the gameplay feel? And the only way to know that how it's going to feel is to, to play it. So uh, I will check it out if I get access to it, but I don't until I, if I don't get access to it, I'm going to wait to see what other people who do have access to it say before I even consider bothering with it. <laughs> Access also doesn't tell us the final question because right. are we, are we, you know, is it, it is free to play. And so like you and I played Diablo Immortal when it had its early alpha at BlizzCon and it felt great. And, <laughs> no. um, and, uh, maybe to you, I, I was complaining about the whole time, <laughs> uh, but like, I, I thought it felt fine for what it like for it being, it's supposed to be something that can run on a phone and is Diablo. I was like, fine, fine, fair enough. And, um, skill up got to play the beta of it because they beta a lot of things get betaed in the Australian market. And he and he said in his review before it released, I was really impressed with this experience. What I did not see in early access is how it will be monetized. So if you were telling me this game is not monetized at all, I am telling you this seems like a great game worth worth trying out and seeing if it's a good fit for you. Mm -hmm. But like there's a huge unknown in the free-to-play space of how do they get it paid for, right? Traditional yep. pay models, you don't have to worry about that. You're like, yeah, and it'll get a price tag. And then you see the price tag and you immediately understand it. You're like, oh, they're going to take this much money from it. And then I'm going to get the game done. 
complete. But with free-to-play games, there is a question of like, no matter how good that game is with early access, how do they monetize it? Uh, monetization is going to be always that question. The, uh, the the gameplay, though, I think is the first real question because if you don't have good gameplay, then I don't care how you monetize because I'm not going to sure. stick around, right? So that's where, sure. like, when Diablo added the controller support, I was like, okay, this is this is the they were addressing the issues that I had when I when I played it because I was like, all right, I'm I'm not going to sit here and play this on my phone. I'm not going to play it on my tablet. But with Diablo Mortal, I was like, it's good that there is a Diablo on the mobile space. You know, it's yep. it's good that that exists uh, as a concept. As a concept, because I was like, they're they're. You know, it's the same reason why I was happy they brought Mario to the mobile space. It's like absolutely, you're advocating all of this. Like people aren't going out and running out and buying Nintendos. They're playing on their phone and their tablet, and so you're missing a new generation of nostalgia that you're going to just in thirty or forty years, it's going to end up costing you everything because no one's going to ever heard of Mario or no one's going to ever know of Diablo. You know, in that regards from, you know, from a game, you know, historical perspective, you'll be like, oh, that's that old game that old people play, you know, as opposed to like, we all play Raymond. It's like, all right, well, yeah, Raymond showed up to the tablet or whatever. You know, it's like you're you're you're, you're surrendering ground. Um, Your brother doesn't get to play many games, but when he does, um, he's set aside the money that he typically wants to have a relatively premium experience. So he's willing to spend the money on whichever console he needs to buy. He's yeah. willing to buy whichever game and whichever version of that game he needs to buy. He's willing to subscribe to something like Game Pass if that's what it takes to have this great experience. But he's only considering games he's heard of and he doesn't watch things like Gamescom. And so the way he hears about things is either through you, mm -hmm. which means he hears about every Square Enix title, yep. or through other forms of marketing and he does sometimes get to play games on his phone and so like if he's like a huge elder scrolls fan so if elder scrolls could come out with a mobile game that he enjoyed that would keep elder scrolls top of mind so that when he says hey i only have time to really play one or two games this year which one do i buy that's what converts him so i do think it's important that franchises are present in the mobile space that doesn't mean move to the mobile space that means add by going additionally to the mobile space yeah um, now execution is where everything hits the road. So like Diablo Immortal, all of my issues with it are execution based, not the concept that the IP wants to work with somebody who's in the mobile space to make a mobile game out of their IP while also developing a mainline game. Like there, there's nothing wrong with it. while also supporting past mainline games like Diablo 2s continue to get great support. So like I, um, I didn't have a problem with the concept of Diablo Immortal existing. Mm hmm. Uh, it's hard to talk about that without also acknowledging how they then chose to actually do it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, as we look at first ascendant, this is the first I'd heard of it. I didn't get to watch Gamescom this year. Um, yeah, it's... third person cooperative looter shooter. It, you know, in the same grouping as games like, I don't know, it, it, they compare it to Destiny 2 because that's the recognizable title. That's, but I, the, that's, I a, think, that's the risk. Yeah. Uh, I think it looks very like outrider -y. Mm -hmm. I think it looks um because it's free to play, I would I would ask like, okay, well, how is um how is Warframe monetized? Mm -hmm. Right? Or or what I would be asking as a layperson that maybe didn't like, okay, are there other free to play leader shooters that are well supported long running? I think Warframe is is something that's very unique in the space that manages to run um with basically community support so um yeah it looks it looks beautiful yeah it, it looks beautiful i i'm i'm hoping that i can get Steam into beta. the beta i'm hoping i can get into the beta and i can i can participate in it and give you guys my thoughts like actually having gone hands-on um like i again monetization doesn't bother me because i'm i'm not gonna spend money on a game that i don't like and so it's like you, when people are like oh it's free to play and let's say it's it's let's say it's just horribly monetized like it's just awful it's like well the game sucks so i'm like all right <laughs> like, that's the story moving on but if it's a really great game lots of fun and then you essentially you start having questionable monetization structures yeah. then the matter is is like are you an adult and can you do you know how to avoid those 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 monetization because it's a hard line because one of the things that i see often is that even if it's a game, because I'll see uh, you, I'll see gamers say this, like, oh, you can farm the premium currency. Like they let you farm the premium currency. And like, for me, that doesn't bother me. But what that does do is it puts everybody in the back has a calculator in their brain that says, I could go deliver pizzas for 
I don't know, $10 an hour or whatever the, whatever the going rate is for delivering pizzas is, oh, but I could go farm this $2 thing up in 17 hours. Like all of a sudden you have an immediate conversion of your time and the value of your time. And so you will feel like the game is saying, spend money and don't grind this out where in a non free to play scenario, you wouldn't actually feel that you'd be like, Oh, it just takes 17 hours to grind this out. That's actually pretty cool. I like grinding games, but all of a sudden when it's like, I could go do a job and, and have this knocked out in 30 minutes, have the cost of this knocked out in 30 minutes or 17 hours of sitting here playing. How dare they? And so that's where, that's where I always like when they have that, I'm glad they have it, but no matter what, someone's going to always do the math and feel like their time's not being respected. Reasonable initial launch, reasonable amounts of continued support and balance and updates is step one. That's what mm -hmm. like Anthem didn't have. Uh, you don't have to start with it. No Man's Sky didn't start with it. They built it in later. They've done incredible things. It's a totally different game. Um, step two, now that you've let me in for a reasonable initial cost, that doesn't have to be free. A reasonable initial cost for a reasonable amount of content. What am I getting, right? Final Fantasy 16 probably won't be free to play, but I will get a big chunk of content for, a, for a, whatever they consider a reasonable chunk of money. Um, then after that, if it's going to be a live service game, if it's going to be a live service game, which does seem like this would be after that, then you need to say, okay, now what am I getting for what amount of money? Yeah. Uh, you know, Final Fantasy says you're going to get a patch every four months and a half patch in between, and you're going to be paying 12 to $15 a month. Okay. Yeah. Like that's, that's the math. And then that allows me to sit down and say, is that a good fit for me? And maybe the answer is yes. Maybe the answer is no, because our individual definition of reasonable are all going to vary. Um, but at least they've put all their cards on the table and let us process. And yeah. like, like none six, of that's here. So it's like 60 I, I, bucks a patch. It's exciting. If you're, if you're active, it's like 60 bucks a patch, unless you're a legacy and then it's like 40 bucks a patch. And that's, that's the cost. Like you don't really kind of think about it, but you're like, Oh, and then if you're, the thing is, it's interesting is that you're paying that if you take a break and come back, which is what's encouraged, then, you know, it's obviously less per patch because if you started today, you, you just start with all the content, all the patch uh, that's been, that's been made. So. I save the $2 per month by booking 180 at a time. And then I put two retainers on. So I am back up $4. So, <laughs> right. Cause they're $2 a piece. Yeah. So I, I, I added to my subscription <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, with two additional retainers. So that's where I'm at. But um, yeah, it's cool. I hadn't heard of it. Um, so when you asked the question, I hadn't heard of it, but the, the steam beta October 20th, 26th, that's step one. And then after that, we'll just have to see. Mm -hmm. How it's supported and how it's monetized yeah honestly with everything coming out this fall with ragnarok Britain. like it's you know like yeah do the beta get the feedback and then launch like in this in, in january when you know when you're not going up against like wow and you know established franchises but who knows maybe we'll, we'll see but no it's it's gonna be interesting i'll be checking it out if uh, if i can get access to it uh, for Square sure has a game coming out like every 10 days for the next two years like it's it's ridiculous when they show their lineup that's the other way to do it is just be a publisher who's like yeah we have a game every tuesday forever yeah like ever. It, i don't know how many games they legitimately are working on right now it felt like so many it feels <laughs> like if you tried to list them all you'd forget like five that people be like how'd you forget those i don't, I don't know. know i only named 40 uh <laughs> like it's so many all right we want to talk relics yeah all right well, we're just going to transition to this naturally uh, guys, uh, with patch 6.25, the first phase of the relic system for Endwalker will be rolling out that's connected with Hildebrand uh, as just a concept. And this has gotten, you know, positive and negative reactions from the community, which that's usually about to be expected when, especially when it comes down to this. We've seen people have negative reactions to Eureka and Bajia. Uh, now here we are going back to a more quest centric uh, method. Uh, Chris has been playing through uh, the uh, the Hildebrand questline series. How far have you gotten on that on that questline? Caught line? up. Uh, you're all caught up, so you're all ready to go. Up. Ready to go on the theoretical 18th that we'll probably find out this Friday. Yeah, we'll find out Friday. Um, it, we're filming this on Wednesday the fifth. Uh, we'll find out this Friday. Uh, confirmation. We believe it is October 18th. All right. Hopefully you guys want to join us for that. If you're watching this as a video highlight clip, etc. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe to the channel so you don't miss these live shows and these videos. Um, on that note, though, so when it comes down to your expectations, like you and I, like the first relic we've ever finished was the the Shadowbringers one. Like that was my 
Like I was actually really impressed by the system and how the content all flowed together. And so I ended up finishing a relic and I was like, that was impressive. I've always starting, uh, started the relics in the past, uh, never ever finished them. This was, that was my, uh, my first relic to finish in, uh, Shadowbringers. But what, what are your feelings? What are your thoughts going into, what are your predictions, um, for, uh, for the, uh, new relic system? I mean, so the reason we can talk about predictions now, and even though they're about to tell us, is that I don't think anything they tell us Friday, I don't think the 6.25 is the defining moment. I don't think step one defines the relics. You and I always do step one. We always enjoy step one. Step one's like, give me six poetics. Like, it's it's nothing. Uh, it's, <laughs> Just drop them off in that it's, basket. It's fine. Uh, here, I'll give you the weapon now. You put the you drop the poetics in it on the way out, yeah. if you remember. Like, it's, it's not, they're so easy. Uh, it's usually a little quest series, kind of get you introduced. It's going to be picking up off of Hildebrand. For anybody that hasn't done Hildebrand, um, the last relic did require you did a raid series, but I think for a lot of people who don't do Savage and like battle content, so relics are a good fit for them, um, or even people who do do Savage, people who like casual battle content in the game, they're already doing Alliance Raid series. So if you make an Alliance Raid required, they've either already done it or they're like, oh yeah, I should do that. And so like that's not a big deal. You can also do those in a single sitting. Hildebrand is a very specific type of humor that we originally added to the game as a test in the rigging of the people's facial expressions. And then it got such a positive feedback that people said, hey, you should add this to the game. And they added it as side content. And I think there were people who said, why is this even in the game? So then in Shadowbringers, they actually didn't really add support to it. He was in a dungeon as a, as a reference, as a callback, but that's it. There was no quest. And then there was enough people that missed it that they wanted to bring it back in Endwalker. So it's kind of always danced around as this mm -hmm. optional side content that some people's jam and some people's not. But now it's required and there's a lot of it. If you are going to pay attention, I bet the ARR section probably takes you somewhere in the ballpark, plus or minus um, six hours. And I bet everything from Heavensward to Current takes you another six hours. But if your story's skipping all that, um it's it's probably only like an hour because it's mostly cutscenes. plus you're gonna get like three two trials you could go do those unsynced if if you're somebody who likes battle content don't like do them synced um find a group to go do that because it's really it, that's a that's a fun chance to discover trials you've never done mm -hmm. um what a fun thing to get to go do blind trials that you've never done um as like a free little mini patch for you uh so i've done all that that's now required i don't think step one is really the important part i think they're going to tell us some stuff about belladia um the mother of ulda ulda had a sister city sildine um and any of you that are interested in criterion dungeons on 6.25 which we talked about monday um the sildine subterrain is the name of the first criterion dungeon and so i think that's why this is all important so i do think the narrative will be important but i don't think that 6.25 is going to be anything substantial as far as the actual relic grind itself. Yeah, I, I do wonder if they'll see any kind of connection into uh, at least the variant version of it, right? Where you need to go and run this uh, a couple times and get, you know, whatever they decide to turn in. Because uh, one of the things that I was like, I did do that was also fun, as, especially as the part of the first step being uh, in Shadowbringers was all poetics driven. I went and got every poetic version of the starting relic for all the jobs i was like okay yeah cool like sure. i got time it was that was also when there was a big massive delay with the covid and everybody was like all right we got to pause everything but i was like oh this is a step that's in there right now so i'm farming up poetics anyway let's just get every weapon just for the sake of getting every weapon and so that ended up working out i think fairly uh, fairly well so i wonder if they'll have a similar step in that in that regards but i have to tell you like it, I, I don't feel the, the the need or the pull or the interest to jump into it. And so I'm really kind of curious to see what other people say about it to see if it's like, oh, Brian, you'll really like this. There's a good reference to uh, 1.0 or there's a really funny you know line right here. Um, and so I'm honestly for me, I'm I'm not planning on touching the relic at all like not even step one i just don't have any interest in it to see and wait to see like what you say and what the community says to see if it's like oh yeah this is this is something definitely worth your time because it's like i just don't i don't know like i did i did one relic and i don't I, being that i know that it's glamour and i'm not even glamoring the relic that i got i'm like all right like it's not really an issue for me what do you think i would i would love for it to have some special interaction with criterion mm. um I would That'd love cool. for it to have something unique about that experience. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> even if it's not powerful enough to really matter, an additional variant option or, or mm -hmm. I, I would love for it to do something special. 
Um, That'd be cool. The first one that really did something like that that caught my eye, I don't really know what all... I don't know every step of everyone. I've done Heavensward all the way through uh, the Relic, and I've done um, Shadowbringers all the way through. I haven't finished any others. But um, in Stormblood, at the very end, they drop Baldizi and Arsenal. And any of us who fell off the Eureka train, especially back in those early steps before they nerfed them, um, a lot of us fell off the train. Mm. And the train just rode off into the distance without us. I, I spent probably... 30 hours watching Ms. Tech Prague BA and, and like of my time watching her stream. Cause I was like, this is so awesome, but I just couldn't bring myself to do the grind to catch up. Uh, and I still haven't done it. And so like, if there is something special at the end of this, um, I hope it's criterion based. I hope it's some special final chapter to the variant dungeons or, or something like that. Um, but we don't know. There could be right. nothing. It, it could be. It, and, and then there's been questions of, will it be the joke weapons? Will it not? maybe the final step is that you unlock the joke weapon in addition to having all the other weapons or something like that. So I can run around with a giant frying pan. The problem is once they add that, just know that all of your cutscenes have been ruined for 7.0 because uh, <laughs> you're going to get into a dungeon with me and I'm going to be in a pig suit with a frying pan. Like that's going to happen. The only thing better than a hammer would be a frying pan. Uh, so like that'll happen. So I, I, I kind of have mixed feelings about that. Um, 6.35 on is really where I, I wanted to talk about today. Okay, go ahead. Because 6.25 probably isn't much. Um, that's so, my guess. And, and like targeting you said, you'll, you'll just pass it. Yeah, so yeah. Let's just let's just skip over the thing that Brian's skipping. 6.35 is step two. Yeah, and that would be roughly around we would expect February or early March. Uh, Chris can pull up his, his sheet for his expectation. We believe. Uh, yeah, March. Ahead. Yeah, so it's like we believe that 6.3 will be uh, Jan January 10th and then uh, March for 6.35, uh, which is where uh, time-wise, this is where we're talking about for the next Relic step. And this usually ends up being kind of a bigger meteor step, uh, you know, a little bit longer of a grind. So what, what are your expectations or hopes uh, to see in this regard? So here comes the question. So in the past, they've had us do fates. They've had us do exploratory zones. I don't think we're getting an exploratory zone this time. If they are, they're probably revealing that Friday. So people see this and like, haha, you're wrong. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, <laughs> so I, I don't think we're getting an exploratory zone. Um, so my question is, what are they having us grind? Because um, there is always that kind of grind component. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, I think they put the biggest bicolor gemstone grind we've ever had. The biggest fate grind we've ever had as an option was put in this expansion mm -hmm. with the mount that wants you to run you or some combination of people, if you're buying them, to, to run like six billion dungeon uh, fates per mount um, to kind of put those out in circulation. It's not a, it's not like the greatest mount skin in my opinion, um, but it is going to be really rare because they're, they're just, it's a lot of fates. It's like or 5,000 or something like that. Yeah. Um, I would love to see it tied to some some fates um, at some point in either 6.35 or 6.45 because it lets you double dip on those fates. And I think they've really emphasized fates. And then once you've emphasized fates, ideally that moves us closer to, I would love in 7.0 for fates to take their next iteration and start bringing in the Bosch's Zadnor style mm. Um, leveling fates up and and having maybe after your kind of chi type moments or ixion type moments there is a duel and having these bosses come out in the open world and things like that and so it's it's a lot um just saying 5319 fates for the mount or the wings 10638 fates for both it's a lot so i would love to see it tied to fates um it would also be neat if it tied to fates, if it tied across multiple expansions so that maybe people could go double dip and mm -hmm. um, do multiple relics at the same time. Because to do the older ones, like the ARR ones, you think you have to have that weapon equipped, but in Shadowbringers you didn't. And so if they would let you kind of double dip and do more than one relic at once, um, I would I would be interested in seeing that since it does kind of encourage that legacy. Um, but I do think at least one of the steps is going to require you to grind Criterion. I just I like don't that. see why they tied these together unless they're going to say, what about the go deep dungeon, run though? 10 variants. What about the deep dungeon? Because we, it could, deep dungeon could also be, you know, tied into, uh, you know, like Belladine, you know, like within the subterrain, right? And imagine the variant dungeons unlocking, oh, now here's a deep dungeon. And then we know that uh, 6.4 and 6.5 would be where we see more of the, uh, the variant criterion system brought back in. So the reason I think that's going to bother people is that if Deep Dungeon <laughs> ties to Relic, I don't know if we still get Deep Dungeon weapon skins. Okay. 
Um, and the thing about Deep Dungeon is because when you zone into a Deep Dungeon, your weapon changes to the Deep Dungeon weapon skin, whether you wanted it to or not. What's really neat about those is I'm pretty sure that means that Deep Dungeons are obligated to support all future jobs. So when a new job gets added to the game, they don't get that many weapon skins right out of the gate. That's something that builds with time. And Deep Dungeons are one of those things that gives them options. Am I wrong? It's me. Chat can fill me in the yeah, so, um, yeah. So correction incoming. So I, I, I think that that would be my first concern there is will that take away something from Deep Dungeon? Um, that is an interesting idea to to do that. I do hope it's multiple options. So yes. I hope there's a Criterion version versus a Fate version. I don't really care if one's more efficient than the other. If you are going to make one more efficient, I thought it was really odd last time that Fates felt more efficient than the on-patch stuff. Yes. Um, it feels like Criterion being the marquee feature should be the faster option because it mm -hmm. felt like, oh, I like Bosja, but I want my Relic. So I'm going to go run Fates instead because it's more optimal. Yeah. Um, it felt weird that I was being encouraged to leave the content that I wanted to be in. Um, yeah, I agree like, with that. Hey, if you don't want to be in this, we have another option. But if you're willing to give this a try, it really is the more efficient method. Yeah. And with um, no uh, with no big zone, like I think if they kind of tie it into the different content, that would be something that would invite me into the system because I love filling up multiple bars at the same time. So if it ended up becoming where it's like, oh, you're going to be doing the content that you're already doing, Brian, like, why not go check this box so that you're also making progress in this other area? Like that, that to me sounds great. Also where like any kind of thing that is like, you know, added to it. So like, imagine if they added some kind of just bonus, it doesn't have to be, and I would never advocate for it to be the most efficient, but you always have the roulette system. Uh, that allows like, yeah, you can get a daily, you know, one hundredth of a progress towards this. Okay, cool. Like it's not your efficient option, but if you only have like, I only got 20 minutes today, let me just pop this in and be able to make a little prog. There we go. Um, I think that would be something that would be something. I, I think that'd be really cool to see. Go ahead. I think open world also ages better. I mean, Eureka and Bosch have aged surprisingly well. Um, but open world is something where like, you get a group of blue mages together, you can do it at any time. So with data mm -hmm. center visit and all of that. Yeah. Um, I just like open world. I like the idea that you're off seeing people. I mm -hmm. like, in my opinion, I think it's really neat that people would go, um, do anything in the open world, old tribal quest, ma any, anything in the open world, because I like the idea that somebody's coming through as a new player in this, mm -hmm. MMO that they're paying a monthly subscription for as a largely solo experience. And they see all kinds and, of people doing all this and stuff. A, and a hunt train blows by or a relic train blows by. Um, I love the idea that they see all these mounts and these crazy glamours and that people are there. These skills um, that are like, oh, wow, it just ends up being the spectacle. I think it's really great. Yeah. Um, so I would love to see it have an open world version. Uh, it also lets Blue Mage come out to play. Um, Blue Mage <laughs> saying it's limited makes it sound like it's antisocial. I think Blue Mage, if people who don't like Blue Mage, I think the most fun to Blue the more people that are around when you're Blue Maging, the better. Um, if you have done an alliance raid as Blue Mage, if you have done fate farms for an hour or more with Blue Mages present um, in your group or you were the Blue Mage, that's where Blue Mage, in my opinion, really shines. The carnival's neat. There's there's a lot of cool stuff tied to it. Um, but that's like saying, oh, I like the Dark Knight questline, but really like where I think Dark Knight is really fun is when I'm in dungeons. Like I play this game to play with other people. And um, I think Blue Mage is at its best uh, when it's getting to come out and help people progress. And, and open world fates are one of those things. If they let us go do Shadowbringers fates progress for this, um, you're going to see a lot of oh, people yeah. go back to finish up their Shadowbringer zones, and there's going to be blue mages in it when they up that blue mage limit. Um, and it's it's going to blow things down. Yeah, I would love to see that as well, because like <clears throat> the fact that we got bicolor gemstones in Shadowbringers and in Endwalker, uh, it makes me always kind of still wish that we'd see them bring those those that system backwards into the other into the other faded zones because then imagine if you were like yeah i haven't really finished off this you know this expansion's fade or done that i can i can take part i have player choice open world content is by far the what what really kind of helps define and what i get a lot of enjoyment out of because also i like the variability there's no guarantee that you're running with a fate train in which that there's like 10 other or 500 other, like, it doesn't matter. Right. You could be, Oh man, this is just me and my chocobo. How do we, 
how do we function? How do we do this? And then all of a sudden run, other people start running up and you're like, yes, now we're going to get this win because this was taking so so long and uh, hopefully encourage those different things as well. So um, that, that, that all sounds like a, like a big win. And, and then essentially, like you said, the, if they have the premier content progress driven into the variant, I, I would probably see variant as the big driver because criterion starts stepping it up in difficulty and like that just seems like all of a sudden and like maybe criterion is more efficient you know in that regard so we're like hey you, run, you get the clear like the savage clear. is double but it's five times the work like, yeah yeah eh, well, but still, like if you want that <laughs> yeah if you want the challenge or maybe you get it down to where you got it down you're just like let's roll you know but um yeah i think that that would be where I, that's what would be what invites me into the into the relic system this round is that if all of a sudden it's like, hey, the content that you're enjoying is also rewarding this other thing that you can that you can just kind of work on passively and not actively, like that's that's what gets me. That's what actually says, okay, I'm gonna go do that quest line. But if it starts, if it opens up, you know, which is like, hey, go turn in some poetics, etc. Like I don't, I'm just not yet. I'm just not yet there. <laughs> and maybe it's because I got eight levels to go on my Omni my Omni ninety, and I'm just like, all right. Well, uh, I'm going to hit, I'm going to hit 90, finish Bard off, finish the controller guides, and then hopefully spend my life in, in the criterion system. Um, but other than that, I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Like, unless there's uh, that extra checkbox. So that's what I want is I want to grind. I want multiple options. I think this will all start in 6.35. We'll continue to 6.45 and 6.55. Mm. Um, I want the 6.55 section to reveal something special. I don't care what it is. Something special. Um, and along the way, I want them to tie us into the marquee featured content. Give me a reason to go interact with Island Sanctuary. Give me a reason to interact with Criterion Dungeons. Give me a reason to interact with Deep Dungeon, some combination thereof. And then give me an option for any of the ones that aren't my thing to go run old raids or go run old fates mm -hmm. or, or something that breeds me back into older content. Um, just because it's a really fun excuse for that. And then one of the things I don't like as a final piece of the relic grind is i don't like that it's the same amount of work for every relic in order um, i think because people want it to be a grindy earned thing in my opinion your first relic should be your most expensive and then it should step down there's an argument to go the other way or to get people into the system your first should be the easiest and then it could get, could get harder and then you could have like achievements or something special for getting them all mm -hmm. but either way if it's gonna take a hundred hours to cap every single relic I don't want it to be 10 increments of 10 or whatever the, you know, I don't know how many jobs there are 17 something, but I don't want it to be that, that even spacing. Mm -hmm. I want them to be staggered. Um, I'd prefer it to ramp down so that you're accelerating so that it's like, I got my warrior one cause I love warrior. And then I got the other tanks cause I like the other tanks. And then I wasn't really going to play machine as much this expansion, but it's easier. And so it encourages me kind mm -hmm. of down that, that rabbit hole yeah um because with older relics like i enjoyed the heavensward relic but i don't want to do the exact same amount of work for a second one and so I, I would find it intriguing if they kind of nerfed it as it went um that's my opinion on that all right well i mean yeah i got a uh, kids knocking at the door so i guess that means it's uh, it's time end of wrap. the morning show end of the morning we'll show. See friday believe it or not brian friday it's lore week um we're doing lore stuff uh twice a month on twitch mm -hmm. i'm doing all my first time as a story skipper uh, i will have omni 50 on my story characters i will not only have omni 90 on my main i am coming up on battle omni 50 uh for for my story alt um so i am leveling a lot so that's awesome <laughs> as the kids are banging on the door dad we cool. want popsicles we want popsicles guys i put in chat the link for twitch if you're not following over there i hear you on that popsicle but <laughs> it's too early it's it's still morning we don't do popsicles in the morning you popsicle clock somewhere popsicle clock somewhere guys <laughs> anyway hopefully go hang out with chris and uh and enjoy your day over there i'm gonna go ahead and wrap up as the as the as the chanting goes all the morning popsicles are made out of spinach and kale oh dude yes get that spinach and kale all right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for us uh, in this regard. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for being here for part of our morning show. We'll be back uh, with you guys Friday. Uh, lots of content. Friday's going to be a crazy busy day. Hopefully you want to join us uh, for the live show and for the live letter and so much more. <laughs> They're just killing me. They're breaking my flow. All right, thanks for being here. We love you guys. We'll see you in our next one. Take care.